Welcome to Draft Utopia on Anchor and Talk Shoot. Tonight we're going to have Ryan Stokes on the podcast. And until he's ready to call in, we will have we're going to have both. Yeah, Ryan Stokes, the Texas AM Commerce wide receiver. He will be on the show later tonight, but if he can't make it for some reason, we can talk about NFL free agency to kill time. And that's pretty much what we're going to be doing on tonight's show, basically talking about the NFL free agency as well as. And, oh, Chris, oh, Chris, let, let us. We got to take time to remind our sponsors, score screening. But there's no yeah, scores to the coronavirus, unfortunately. No, ScoreStream is incredibly important because ScoreStream is where I've gotten most, if not all, of my NFL draft and NFL free agency information up to this point. They give great, great updates. You get them, you get them at the top of your phone. They say ScoreStream all the way down. Recently, I've heard of the Nick Foles trade. I've learned of the Jaguars free agent signings, which involve Nick trading away Nick Foles. I've heard of them signing the Browns middle linebacker, Joe Schobert, all through score stream. All through score stream. Shows up right at the top of my phone. It's ready to go. It's into it. Score stream is the best thing in mobile apps when it comes to sports information. They have everything you need, baseball, football, basketball, hockey, you name it, it's there. So score stream, get it, love it, it'll be your best friend. Score stream will be your best friend, as Joseph Potter stated. And now back to the show. We've got a lot to cover through free agency. Um I'm going to start with the biggest storyline of them all. Tom Brady, the Buccaneers, because this is a headline I want to talk about quickly because I think with the guards they have, they got Alex Kappa, Ali Marpet, and they've got great receivers for Brady, tight end O.J. Howard. Cameron Brate might still be on the roster too. So ooh, Desmond Trufant is signing with the Lions. That's just breaking news, but anyway. That, that's Pretty good breaking news. Yeah, that's got that through Score Stream. So yeah. yes, all Score Stream. Yep. Yep. And you know, it's like with the Tom Brady thing. I know you're gonna get the memes. I got some. It's like with Brady holding his hands up to Belichick, who's sitting there with his hands in his hoodie. It's like, you know, who gets custody of the refs in this divorce? But in the end, it's like, okay, we've had fun with it. We're going to have more fun with it. But at the end of the day, like you said, you got Cameron Bright, who I've always been high on. I've always really loved his hands. Uh, You've got all these other guys, you know, on there. A good interior offensive line. They need work on their offensive tackles. Um, But they've got some great receivers They've got some good tight ends. You know, this is a good spot for Brady, especially, you know, he's got a pretty darn good head coach, if I don't, if I do say so myself, uh, and Bruce Arians. So, you know, it's like, I think if Brady was going to go to a spot, it's like, he's going to go to a spot where, you know, the only thing wrong with the quarterback for the Buccaneers last year was that he threw 20-some interceptions. But he still finished top five in pretty much everything else. So that's pretty darn good. It's a pretty darn good place for Brady to be. Personally, I expected him to go to a California team. You know, it's like he, his wife, and all, they live out there in California. So it's like, okay, the Chargers just got rid of Rivers. You know, they were talking with Chargers. Turns out, from what I understand their opinion came back as like the, this is one of the worst run teams in football. Uh, not a good thing for the church, not a good look. Uh, but that being said, 
it's a great pickup for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because big thing on Jameis Winston, he had all the makings of a superstar, but he had the decision-making of Brett Favre. Okay. Favre was able to overcome his decision-making. Troy Aikman was able to overcome his decision-making, which Troy Aikman was barely one-and-a-half touchdowns to an interception for his career. Um, and they're Hall of Famers. Winston has not proven he can do that. Brady, he doesn't have bad decision-making. So it's going to be interesting to see just how Bruce Arians works with a guy who has all these weapons, maybe just needs an offensive attack or two, and goes in and says, hey, you've got all the weapons you need. Yes, because the Buccaneers, they had the right coach with Bruce Arians, and many Buccaneers fans said that if Winston had only thrown 15 interceptions as compared to 30, the Buccaneers are probably 10-6 or 11-5, and and they're in the playoffs instead of Seattle or Minnesota. Well, if he throws 15 instead of 30 interceptions, he's probably also throwing 55 touchdowns. Okay, let's face it. Winston is your classic gunslinger. He is your freaking the Terry Bradshaw, Brett Favre, freaking whatever of your age when it comes to let's throw it. Let's throw it as hard as we can. Let's throw it as much as we can and get it in there. Except for at that point in time, in those days, the cornerbacks had throw your receivers to the ground. So the cornerback, so the receivers themselves had to be tough as nails. It's like, Cornerback throws a punch, receiver throws a punch back and keeps going. You know, nowadays it's like receivers are Terrell Owens and, you know, for the most part, you don't get any very many OBJs, Jarvis Landry, freaking Heinz Ward. Like most of them are soft, most of them are divas. It's like it's not back in the day when, hey, I, you know, Sterling Sharp's like, oh, you want to push me? I'm going to punch you in the mouth and I'm going to keep going. It's not like that. Jameis Winston can't play that game. So he's not going to get that. But if it was this game, and it was back 20, 25 years ago, he'd probably throw 55 touchdowns because receivers didn't take shit back then. Sorry, I don't know the anchor, you know, thing on language, so I do apologize. But they didn't take it back then. Uh, so, I mean, Jameis Winston back then would have been the perfect quarterback for the Bucks. But today, today that's different because receivers are softer. Cornerbacks are softer, yes, but that's made for soft receivers. But they're better so they're fighting body language cues than ever before because they, of all the technology they, and the plays and everything that's – film study, you know, everything laid out for them. Yeah, they are, but if a receipt, if a cornerback say, as we've seen it, it's like, we saw it with Daryl Revis. When Revis would decide to jam these receivers, they wouldn't know what to do. It'd be like, this dude just laid his hands on me three yards before the line of scrimmage, which is not a penalty. What do I do? Well, you, you fight. You fight him through. You smack his hands away. You smack him in the side of the head, whatever. You go by. You know, it's like, well, you don't smack him in the side of the head because that's a penalty, but smack him in the shoulder. You know, you throw him to the side, whatever. You're within three yards of the line of scrimmage. It's legal. Okay. The receivers today don't know that. And or if they do know it, they just don't want to put up the effort to do it. You know, they, they want to be treated like divas. They want to be treated like the greatest thing in history, the most skilled, the most passionate. They're, they're, they're really not. It's like they're really not. So that makes it more difficult on the quarterbacks because even though the corners are softer because of the rules – that makes the receivers softer. That makes them think that, okay, 
I've got an easier time here. And that's not the case. Because that causes problems. So that is something to look at in this situation. And Brady is more of a precision player. He doesn't throw it deep a lot. So he's going to need these guys to run precise routes. Okay, so that's different. Because people who run precise routes, you know, they chop arms at the line. They, they are trained specifically to run precise routes. So this is the type of thing that's going to help Brady. That's what Brady likes. That's what's going to happen. And that's what he's going to instruct these receivers to do. So I think that – and who isn't going to listen to Tom Brady? When he tells you to do something, you're going to do it or you're in trouble. So that, for me, it's like that's something Winston didn't have because he didn't have that credibility to say, I want you to do this and I want you to do it now and you're going to do it or else. Brady comes in there, he says it, he doesn't even have to go to or else because it's like, okay, Tom, whatever you want. And that's the end of it. Yeah, because Tom won six Super Bowls over 20 years and had a historic career with the Patriots. The team's just going to rally around him. Exactly. It's like, it's where uh, Jameis Winston would have to say, or else, or else I'll go to the coach, or else I'll go to management. It's like Tom Brady's like, you're going to do it, period. And you do not want to know what's at the end of that period. You just do it. Because... Tom Brady is, I can guarantee you, it's not going to go to the coach. It's not going to go to the president. He's going to have the owner's ear. And if the owner gets wind that you're not listening to Tom Brady, it's just not going to end well for you. And to look at it, it's like, like you said, six Super Bowls over 20 years. Come on. It's like, if you don't think he knows what he's talking about at this point, because I've always said Tom Brady is not the greatest quarterback to ever play the game. He may be the greatest system quarterback to ever play the game. It's like that's arguable one of the top two along with Joe Montana. But to say Tom Brady doesn't know how to win a Super Bowl, Tom Brady doesn't know what he's doing, you're full of crap. He knows what he's doing. He knows how to win. You listen to him when he speaks. And you do what he says. Because – he's going to take tell you exactly how to win a game. And he's going to tell you exactly how to win a championship. Yes, and that was one of the bigger signings. Another big quarterback signing was Phillip Rivers to the Indianapolis Colts, and I love this signing just as much as I love the Tampa Bay signing. Breeze re-signed with the Saints, but we all know how awesome Breeze is. We're not going to specialize – Breeze, him and Brady are probably the two greatest quarterbacks in this era. And now we get to see them play each other twice a year with Brady and the Buccaneers, which is going to be sweet. But let's go, let's turn to Rivers to the Colts because this signing is a great signing. The Colts have a very good offensive line. They just didn't have a quarterback, a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback last year when Andrew Luck retired. Now they get Rivers for one year, 25 million. And this is the best offensive line Rivers has had since he made it to the 2000. AFC championship game when the Chargers are all hard. In fact, this can be better than that offensive line with Costanzo coming back, Quentin Nelson, Ryan Kelly, Mark Lewinsky at right guard, and Braden um, Smith at right tackle. This line might even be better than that Charger offensive line he had. But that Charger line, he had Marcus (laughs) McNeil, Chris Dielman. It was a very good unit, to say the least. Well, Chris, we're not going to say this without – Saying Jacoby Brissett had an outstanding year. He did. He was a very he, good as a, a passer, as a runner, he was outstanding. I was surprised at the signing because Brissett is that guy that you were not expecting anything from. He was the outcast, I believe, with the Patriots. He was the outcast with pretty much every two or three other teams that he had played for. Nobody wanted him. Then he came in. Did all right, you know, it's like as filling in for Andrew Luck, it's like, okay, it's like Brissett, he he said he proved he could be a pretty good backup. 
Locke decides to up and retire. I mean, it's Brissett's been playing the number one quarterback since, you know, Luck had not shown up to OTAs. Brissett's been getting this, these reps in. Brissett's been learning the lingo. He's been leading the quarterback. Okay, now Brissett is saying, okay, Luck retired. Okay, I'm already playing number one with the number ones. Let's keep going. Everybody else is freaking out. Brissett's like, okay, I got this. He comes out. He has a great season. Brissett can probably start for 15 NFL teams right now. He could be a starter. Now, that being said, it's like, so I can't take it from you. That being said, I can't take it from the Colts. Because I can't take it. Brissett, I believe, should be the quarterback of the future for the Colts. Hands down, he's the guy. Yeah, it's then like, when you get freaking Philip Rivers falls into your lap, and they're Philip Rivers one um, to mentor him and groom him for a year. Well, well, here's the thing for me: Philip Rivers is, you know, I have loved Philip Rivers for since he was drafted. I thought he was far better than Eli Manning. I felt that he's probably the one quarterback over time for the last 15 years that has gotten screwed by his own franchise more than anybody else and has still remained loyal to them for reasons unbeknownst to me. I, I have felt that he is a Hall of Fame quarterback tied. It's, it's like Dan Marino all over again. He's like, did the Dolphins deserve his loyalty? Hell no. They did not give him what he needed to win a Super Bowl. He went to one Super Bowl. Same thing with the Chargers, with Phillip Rivers. They did not give him a Super Bowl, but he was a Hall of Fame quarterback. Now he's going to the Colts. The Colts are better than any team overall that Phillip Rivers has had in the last 10 years. Overall, he's better than anybody they've had in the last 10 years. You don't think just because he's older that he's not chomping at the bits right now saying, I got T.J. Yeldon. I've got a good offensive line. I've got a good running game. I've got all this stuff. I've got a few good draft picks. And if he stays, yeah, if he stays, he's got a good backup. He's got people around him. He's saying, okay, this is my best chance to win a Super Bowl in 12 years. Let's go get it. You don't think he's not chomping at the bit for that after everything that the Colts did wrong for him? Who everything they got that the Colts did? Buckner, they gave up the 13th pick to get to Forrest Buckner on the defensive side of the ball to compliment Justin Houston. Justin Houston's actually been talking with Eric Berry. So Eric Berry, if he's healthy and he unretires, he might sign with the Colts in a one-year prove-it deal next to Malik Hooker. So we could be getting Eric Berry and Malik Hooker on the same secondary. Yeah, it's like the Colts are going all in this year. And you know what? It's like even if they go all in this year and they don't win a Super Bowl. Okay, right. If they've got the makeup, they can just go with you, Brissett and after this can year. Can you hold and that thought, Joey? Ryan going. Stokes um, from Texas A&M Commerce is on the line. Hello, are you there? Yes, sir. Hey. All right. That's Joseph Potter. I'm Chris Ransom. I've got some five questions ready to go, and then I'll let Joey ask you some questions as well. But Ryan Stokes here from what, what Texas A&M Commerce. What schools besides Texas A&M Commerce offered you scholarships? Um, well, we had maybe the whole long star conference. And then before I can decide if I can go D2 or D1, I had a whole lot of D D1 offers as well, but then I only can go D2, so that's why I went D2. All right. Schools, schools is like, you know, Tarleton, um, uh, I, had, I don't know, I just had like the whole long star conference. 
what are your favorite routes to run as far as being a receiver? <laughs> a post and a go, for sure. Who's the favorite route? Uh, Ryan, Ryan, I want to – I want to follow up on that response, like, because uh, we have – I've watched some tape on you, and I've noticed that you are good with the go route. Um, you ran a – I think it was four four eight forty. You ran the go route pretty well. You were good at turning and facing the ball, and you were also good at the comeback. You were good at comeback. You were good at all these little things at coming – when it comes to going back to the receiver, do you believe that you could get to a place where you could do an in route, you know, rather than just go to the seams, go to the go, go to the end? Do you believe that you are the type of receiver that can do a West Coast style offense, which seems to be coming back, run first offense, do some, get some blocking? go on the end routes, do some waggles, you know, three yards in, and do all those type of things, the five-yard slants up the middle, you know, because you do have impressive size to really make your niche in with the NFL. Um, yes, sir. I do feel like I can be that receiver, but a lot of teams that I've been playing for since I've been growing up just seeing me being fast, seeing me being big, and instead of me running the – traditional slants, you know, the air outs, the digs, they knew that I can beat people deep and go deep, so I feel like that's the only route that I run a lot because I was so good at running those routes. Even if you knew I was running, it didn't matter. I still was going to run and catch the ball, so I feel like a lot of, a lot of it was not having the opportunity a lot to show I can run other routes because I was so good at those routes that the coaches would push the other routes back and then just let me run those routes as far as, you know, the game and what was going on in the game. Yeah, because I, I, I know what you mean. It's like because I've looked at your tape and it's like they play you so far off. It's like you just literally turn around and look at the ball and jump up and get it. Um, and so you're basically saying – that because as Chris knows that a lot of listeners to um, of this podcast have known over the years, it's like I equate that and I'm going to start probably calling it the Nick Foles effect because something that uh, Nick Foles always did is like everybody said when he was drafted, I was like, he's the second best quarterback in this draft. But everybody said he only throws, you know, screens and everything, but look at what he does when he's not throwing screens. Look at what else he does. He does it at a low percentage of the time, but he's effective at it. Do you believe that just because you that you do things just because it's a low percentage of the time, that if people look close, that you may be kind of the Nick Foles effect where yeah, you look close and it's like oh, he's running the slant across the field. He catches it. He's going for a touchdown, you know, but he just doesn't do it that often. Right. Yes, sir. That's exactly what I would say happens. Because I can't – I have had plays where I took slants. I took screens, 80, 80 yards, 75, 60 yards, you know, and things like that. But at the end of the day, like when my coach tell me to run a route, the first round that's probably going to pop in his head is a go or a post because he knows. Like, them first off, a post is hard to guard, especially when you have a big pass receiver. So. Yeah, and if just out of curiosity, it's like I'm just doing this off, off the top of my head because I've watched, it's like, you're in a pretty wide open offense. If I say, um, you know, Okay, I'm not going to do that because it's, you know. But if I get run off a West Coast offensive type play, you know, where you're – it's pretty into it, you know. It's like it's got pretty long-winded and everything else. It's like do you feel that you could, in you know, just say, I've got all this off the top of my head. What type of, you know, 
just that quick thought process where I could get five, six sentences on a play and just go out there and do it. Um, yes, sir. I do feel the same way. Okay. Okay, yeah, because I, 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 and I, like, I, like, I like getting the ball. So whatever, whatever route that I have to run, where my coach is like, okay, we, 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 you know, to implement in the offense, to help out the offense and the team as well, I just don't. I, I like to run whatever route my coach want me to run, you know. So I, I really technically don't have a favorite yeah. route. That's the attitude I love to hear. How about tell us about yeah, and, coach and that's that that's why I'm asking you the questions. It's like Chris said. It's like you know. It's like it may seem like a repetitive question, but you're you're given a great answer to the question. So it it's like that's what we want to hear. That's what we want to. You know, you're is like whatever helps the team win. So Chris, you know, whatever route the team tells you to run, whatever yes, to help the team win, that's the right answer. That's a great response. That's and now the third question I wanted to ask is who's the toughest opponent you faced this season? Uh, number two, it has to be number two from uh, Tarleton. Uh. He just made the he made the game more fun, more realistic, more like, you know, if if I was seeing myself being on the next level, I I know he'd be on that next level with me because you know iron sharpens iron, and I love playing against him. I played against him four times, so I was able to, you know, break him down, see what he can do, and he was doing the same with me, and it was a fun game, and it was just like. I had to come up there and think about things to do, you know, that would get me open. And it's like versus other teams, most of the teams that I play, I don't have to do that on. I can go out there and just really have fun. And I, I had fun learning more to the game with, I think his name is, uh, I know his name, but, yeah. Yeah, what school does he play for? on Tarleton. Tarleton number two. Yeah, Chris, could you look up that player? It's like we we don't want to leave that player hanging either. Because it's like you know you're you're giving out props to players and everything. It's like we we don't want to leave anybody yeah. out of this. It's like if if we gotta give props to players, we're gonna give props to you. We're gonna give props to them. We're gonna you know. Make everybody happy. Yeah, because November twenty third, two thousand nineteen, seven seed Texas A and M Commerce upset number two Tarleton State. Yes, sir. So that's from CommerceJournal dot com. So I look up. Tarleton okay, State. and well, Chris is looking this up. Would you Devin say that's probably your biggest win? Devin Hayford. Devin Hayford. Devin Hayford. Yes, sir. Hayford. Yeah. Would you say that that's probably your biggest win as a college receiver? Would you say that was probably my biggest win? Yeah, do you, do you think that's probably your biggest win as a college receiver? Um, I would say yeah and no because the biggest win was, to me, it was my junior college, sophomore year, when we won the championship. So – that was a championship that I probably won. So I had to say that was probably the biggest and funnest game to me. But as far as, like, prepare-wise and, like, seeing if I was really talented or something like that, Tarleton would be the team that I matched myself up against. And, like, okay, I was I really did good because I played against these guys and did well, you know? Yeah, yeah, I totally understand. I've been around for that thing in a couple of sports. I totally understand what you're saying. Yeah, and uh, I I really want to know. It's like uh, I'm going to ask this because it's on my mind. I haven't done it for a few interviews, but it's a fun question. And – it really allows us to 
really get into the heart of your personality. If you were on, if you were in DC Marvel uh, Universe, you're a superhero. What superhero do you feel you would be? Um, I feel that I probably would be Superman. Who? Really? Why, why I say that is because my, I feel like sometimes my heart is bigger than like what I really feel that I should be doing because I care more for people than I do about myself at times, you know? So sometimes I yeah. do things just based off because I care for people a lot and that's based off like team-wise and oriented-wise, my parents, my mom and stuff like that. I'm going to think about them before I make a mistake. I'm going to think about my kids before I make a mistake, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's attitudes like that. A lot of great players have had that attitude. It's uh, why they had the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. It's like places like Jacksonville. It's like Marcel Darius is before he was let go this year. has been a great steward for the community. It's like a lot of people in Cleveland, a lot of people in uh, Buffalo. It's like they these bigger cities, like they've had a lot of great people who think the same way you do and have always been up for the Man of the Year Award. So, yeah, that's a great answer, a great response. And even though initially it's like, oh, really? You know, your response to the reasons why isn't, Excellent response. So I commend you for that. All right. Tell us about the training that you've been doing leading up to this year's NFL draft. Sorry, I didn't understand what you said. Describe the training that you've been doing leading up to the NFL draft this year. Um, basically, it's been a lot of working out, a lot of um, running routes. Uh, I actually, since you said about the route thing, I've actually been running routes technically that I haven't ran a lot of that people can see just to sharpen it up, get different opinions about it, see what I can do, different details, things like that. See if I need to run a little different or plan a little different, see what I'm doing as far as coming out. If my shoulder's high, if my shoulder's not high, I'm really focusing on route running right now and just being strong and healthy, you know, so keep right. Yeah, and that... I, I want to follow up on this real quick, uh, man. And you you mentioned route running. For me, it's like with receivers, it's like I I'm not gonna use the language on here that I'd use with my players, but it's like catch the football, run crisp routes. Is is I know you don't run routes often, so I know they probably got you for rounding off a few routes because as you said you only run two or three primary routes um so what routes have you felt that you have personally uh become much better at during this process um the routes that i have came much better is the out route and the stand flat and the big routes and the pivot routes and stuff like that, where you gotta go one direction and twist out the other way, things like that, so I can just sharpen it up, make sure that I'm up to par with it, and I wreck it out so much so I can, it can start being comfortable with running it. Because things that I'm not comfortable with running, I don't mind not running. So I gotta start making myself like you gotta be that receiver, you you that guy, you know. So I know. I- more yeah. Than I was there in my whole career. So it's just like I just got to go out there and show people that I can do it. Yeah, and that that's an impressive, you know, amount of routes that you're and variety of routes uh, that you are bringing up here and being taught. Uh, is where is it that you are? working on this is it uh at a combine camp or is it a pro camp somewhere or are you just working with your coaches on campus Uh, i'm working with a few of my coaches on campus 
And also, I'm working with a couple guys that was in the Olympics, trained in the Olympics, long jump, high jump, four, two, and one, and things like that. So, his name is Ronnie Taylor. And, you know, I just been working out with him on speed and stuff like that. So, that's basically like my little speed coach, if you want to say. He's, he's been doing an awesome job, you know. And then uh, his name is DC. And his, his little program is DC Athletics for like, he's a receiver coach. He's training the guy from Oregon. He's a twin. He's training him. He's playing. He played in the league for a little minute. So I've been training with those guys, and I've been training with a couple of pro guys on defense for us, cornerback as well. So I don't know. Just ready to see yeah. what, what everything falls out and what plans out. Yeah, that's awesome, man. That's awesome, Chris. I know you had another question coming up. Yeah. Um. So, tell us yeah. about the adversity that you dealt with that helped you prepare for this point. Or you mean in life or just in football? Both, if you would like to. Alrighty, well, as far as school and adversity, you know, like I've been through a lot in school. So I always try to, you know, make sure that I'm staying on work and things like that. But little things always come up. So, um... What made me different is me me learning that not everything is going to be handled to me. And then I had to go out there and get it. I had to do things the right way. So it wasn't going to be given to me, you know. So when I start having to pick up on the schoolwork and things like that, it made, it made it hard because it's like, oh, I'm focusing more on school than football. But it's like, that's what you're supposed to be doing. But I'm thinking I'm doing something wrong because... I'm not really focused on football when I'm trying to be in the classroom. So learning how to balance that, learning how to, you know, just come up and be basically a, a, a student athlete instead of being a athlete student. You know, like where everybody. Yeah. It's like, I, I understand what you're saying. It's like, I, I do want to follow up real quick because, it's, I think this is very important from what you said. Like, I think I've mentioned it before on one podcast or another a couple times, but my dad was a World War II veteran. And one of the things he drilled into my head over the years was do it right. If you're going to do something, do it right. And it sounds like you are basically just – doing an updated version of what he always told me. And it's like, you can do it right. And it's like, and then I go further up into, because this was a 1940s, 1950s point of view. Go forward to the 1980s. Tully Blanchard, a member of the full horseman of professional wrestling, he said, be whatever you want to be, but be the best. And it's like, this seems like kind of an updated version of those, you know, of almost the same thing they're saying. Update. Would you agree with that? Yes. Yes, sir. I will. I'm based off what you're saying. Yeah. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah. And Chris, you got next one. I don't really have any more questions. I thought you've been fantastic on the interview, Ryan. Yeah, it's you, you. Yeah, your answers have been very thoughtful, and it's like, and we we really like this. Like, I I know I asked some repetitive questions. I asked some things that I knew you were probably going to answer the same way, simply to see if you would answer the same way each time with different words. You did a very nice job on that, so I really do appreciate it. You're, you're very consistent, and that is incredibly important. So I do thank you. You did a very nice job on everything you were talking about, and I do appreciate also that you named names when it comes to other players and your training and where you're training and who you're training with because 
that is incredibly important for not only young players now, but like yourself, but young players going forward, they know these names going forward. Yes, so sir. it's thank you very much. Yes, sir. Anytime. Thank you guys for having me as well. I really appreciate it. Thanks for calling into the not show. We really appreciate it as well. Have a wonderful evening. All righty, you too. Thank you. That was Ryan Stokes, Texas A&M Commerce wide receiver. Very detail-oriented answers, well thought out. So, yeah, and he he didn't bite. He did not bite. It's like I, it's like I decided against because I was going to ask him. I was going to read out a play that I would have called. It's like you know, it's like several you know. Lines on, I decided against it because that would have been a little bit too much to go against. But you know, it's like I asked him basically the same thing two or three times in a row. I was like, "Are you going to differentiate your answer?" He didn't. He he stayed. He stayed on it. He stayed true to his answer. He stayed true to you know what he thought of the subjects. I mean, it, it was a great responses great responses to it because I could have, you know, it's like I could have gone deeper in, but, you know, it's like, you know, it's, it wouldn't have done a, it wouldn't have gone any deeper because I think that he would have come up with the same response. Uh, I was impressed by his intellect. I was impressed by what he said and how he did. It's like, let the coaches, you know, in the interviews, go ahead and see this. Because I do not think that he's going to have a problem with the interviews. Uh, I think his agent, who we both know well, well, you know better than I do, has prepared him well. Uh, I think he is, I think he's ready. For what's brought. I just wish some of these guys were given more more of an opportunity pre-draft. But because the last two interviews we've done have been really good. Really good. And it's it's really nice to see these guys so well prepared that even if I throw them a curveball or say something in a different way, they are so consistent. Same thing in a different way, so consistent, but just straight across the board. And I really like that. And I think their advisors and how they're being taught is extremely good. I, I love it. I do too. I think the way people are taught how to respond is really important because how you respond it just you, how you respond to a situation really says a lot about a person. Yes. Yeah, and I I know that I pointed out on the podcast, but I did that for a reason. It's like if he knows that I'm sitting here, I'm asking him the same question in a different way. I'm asking him. I might add some more detail. I might take some away some detail. I might. You know, whatever, but it's the same basic question. It's like, this might be the same thing, type of way you're going to get from an NFL team. And if I let you know that I'm asking it this way, in the same way that you may get it from here, that's only going to help you. Because you're going to be, you know, you're going to say, oh, so this is how, you know, we're going to get it. And I mean, that's awesome. It's awesome. It's like, and he, I mean, he was more respectful than I usually am. It's like, he said, yes, sir. It's like, you know, it's like, I know, Chris, you probably felt like much more of an adult being called sir. And me, I felt far too old. Uh, so, you know, it's like, he was very respectful. He was, uh, I thought that, I think he can use a little more work on his uh, presentation. 
because when he started out, he was, you know, kind of like this may be his one of his first interviews on such a scale. He was no, kind of, a, you know, timid to start out with. One of the other podcasts I saw. Yeah. Agent's Facebook page. Um, he had an interview with Gridiron Football. But how many has he had? I think he's had maybe two or three other interviews besides. Yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah. Not my responsibility you, we, business to. No, no, no. It, but what I'm saying is like he felt like he was inexperienced in the way they interviewed, like he's only had one or two. It's like, remember when we started this podcast, it's like, remember, I was in a fucking sound booth. Sorry, anchor. I'm, I'm not used to that. Um, but I was in a sound booth. You were, I'm not sure where you were. You were somewhere in uh, freaking that beer sounding college that you went to, you know, it's like interview. Yes. Yeah. That place Uh, interviewing me. And it was like, I remember he sounded a lot like I did our first few interviews. Well, the first few were actually Um, home when I was at CCAC community college back in 2010. Then I went to slippery rock for a few years and then I came then in like 2015, we reconnected and started podcasting again, and then things picked back up. Yeah. Yeah, but he sounded a lot like I did when I first started. So I think he just needs more experience with the interview process because he was he was kind of – but once he got comfortable, once he got comfortable, he started rolling. It's like I almost wish I didn't interrupt him as much as I did, but I wanted to see if you – I could catch him off guard and see what his answer would be. He responded extremely well to being caught off guard and interrupted. Uh, I just wish that, you know, he would get off to a faster start. And I think that comes with experience. So I hope that with the interviews that he continues to get more comfortable and he continues to get rolling. And he's like, Hey, I got this shit by the time he's done. And, he really rocks it because he has some great answers. Indeed. Yeah, because, I mean, I I may have come off as a little harsh at times, interrupting everything. It's like, because that was... When I walk into these interviews, I want to prepare people for what they may not expect. In our last interview... We didn't even have any questions prepared ahead he, of time, he, but we just improvised on the fly. Well, not not that, but he... It's like, I didn't have any <laughs> questions responded to this time. I just, I just responded to his um, his thought process. His, I just followed up on his responses. Um, but he... Did such a good job responding. But what I want to give these guys is the chance to, I want them to think, because I know a lot of them are college guys, you know, it's like they may, may not have had a job before. They may not have been, you know, grown a little bit. And some of them may be good with the interview process. Some of them may not be as good. Some of them may be great at the interview process. But I want to give them a chance to learn the process. I want them to give them a chance to give a great answer, to reinforce that answer. And that's why I said the Superman response, I was like, really? You, you think you are that good? And then he came back with, no, I want to help people. I want... and." All that, and I was like, that is such a good answer. That is a Walter Payton Man of the Year type answer. Um, And that was incredibly impressive because that was not from a Superman answer. That was not what you expected him to say. That was an awesome answer that I absolutely loved. And so that was... 
to me, that was the highlight because I know I asked a lot about routes and, you know, different offensive fl- – you know, I didn't ask about the philosophies directly, but what he was working on and how he would respond to that philosophy and so on and so forth. He gave the same answer throughout, which I was incredibly happy about because he could have, you know – gone on and said a bunch of other stuff, but I was incredibly happy about that. Uh, what I was, but the Superman response, and I was so happy about that. I was so impressed by it, because that was the response that said, dude, people in New Jersey, people in New York, people in Cleveland, people in Jacksonville, it's like, people would love you. Because you would be what we would love in those cities. You would be what we would look up to in those cities. Like, no matter what we do, we've got you. So that is, you know, that's the leadership type thing that we want in these big cities. And I absolutely loved it. Yeah, he did phenomenal in this interview. Just like everyone else that we've been lucky and fortunate enough to speak with over the years. Yeah, we have been fortunate enough to speak with a lot of guys. We've been fortunate enough to speak with number one uh, hockey prospects. Number one, we've been fortunate enough to speak. We've been lucky. We got to speak with some number one picks. Yeah, like we 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 got fortunate enough to speak with guys like uh, you know Mr. Pitts. Uh, we've got fortunate enough to speak with some of his clients. We've got fortunate enough to speak with some really great prospects in here. And it's like, and most of them we've got uh, got our skilled position players. Uh, hopefully in the future, you know, we can get uh, a little more variety in here. It's like I would love to get a couple because I know uh, back when I was living in Worcester, it's like we got a third baseman in there. And, you know, it's like we we were able to speak with a third baseman. He, uh, yeah, spoke with him. You know, he it's spoke like with uh, really? Zook, who ended up going in the first round. He was like a first to second round player at the time. He was listed like thirty third on a MLB's top fifty. But then we spoke with him. He had gave us a twenty five minute interview, and even Joey was taking notes. And then he ended up going to the Blue Jays, a twenty one one pick before the hometown Pittsburgh Pirates were on the clock, and he was the starting. Yeah, and some something that people don't realize, I was an umpire. I umpired behind the plate. I umpired the bases. I was a third baseman. Uh, so baseball, while not exactly my forte, if I decide to scout it, it's like I can do a pretty damn good job of it. Yeah, I played it for eight years and umpired it for another eight, eight to ten years. So it's like I, not, I'm i not going to do the math. I started up when I was 14 and went through – but, yeah, it's like, you know, so I would love to get some more offensive line. I would love to get some basketball players. I would love to get some, you know, more of these guys in there. But what we've gotten so far is absolutely phenomenal. And I hope to continue to grow everything because these guys are awesome. These guys that we have interviewed have been absolutely amazing. Yeah. We have. We got two top five picks in the last two MLS drafts. I did get to interview a lot of guys in Chicago when they had the last super draft. But we got to speak with Patino, who went third overall in, before we, before the super draft in Chicago. And then we got to speak with um, the Ryan the, Vancouver's first round pick that went fourth overall earlier this year generation adidas player and before that we spoke with uh mo adams who went 10th overall to the chicago fire and then he got traded to atlanta and he actually did well in atlanta down the stretch last year so i mean yeah, and and 
one thing I would tell you, because we've only got like five minutes left, you know, on Anchor here. So I I will, one thing I will tell these guys, uh, both Mr. Stokes, everybody else going forward, it's like, do as many interviews as you can. It's like, we can tell that you did not have a lot of interviews under your belt of which directed my line of questioning, so on and so forth. Um, do as many as you can. I don't care if it is the local podcast of your hometown, the, you know, a national podcast. I don't care if you go to, after this, the Walter football podcast will reach out to Walter. If you go down here to the to local bar and I don't care if you go out to, well, not over the next 30 days because most local bars are closed over the next 30 days. But if you go down to the local bar in 30 days and say, I want to interview in front of your crowd. It's like, I am in the NFL draft this next year. Do it. Do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. Get as familiar as you can with the interview process because it will only help you in the long run. It's like, because one of the things is that if you get off to a fast start in an interview, like me, I was on the attack. Well, I was on the attack because you were you started the interview on the defensive. If you start the interview on the attack and you're like, I did this, I got this going, I got this. It's like I ask you a rebuttal question, you're like, I got this, I got this, I'm rolling with this. It's like, okay, now we're rolling, now we're going back and forth. Now you're rolling. It's like but what he did, he was on the defensive rope. Yeah, maybe not on the defensive as far as being defensive. I don't want to say that because he wasn't. But I was on the technique. He was almost like, okay, at the first time he was like, there's that little pause in there where he was thinking. It's like, you know, we don't want that. It's like that comes with experience. That comes with being asked a multitude of questions. And that's why I say to these guys, do as many interviews as you can because the more questions asked of you, the less pausing you get. I mean, there were less, a few and times the in the interview more... process where Ryan did sound nervous, but he answered the questions very well. And he yes. answers were thought oh, out. Oh, he, he did. Yes, he answered the questions extremely well. He was a little bit nervous. And that's where I say it comes with experience is that the more experience you have, the less you're going to sound nervous because you're like, hey, it's like anything else in life. It's like, been there, done that. And it's like, okay, you want to come at me? Fine, whatever. It's like, I got the answer. It's whatever, you know? And that is, that comes with experience. And I think that's what he has to work on. He has to work on experience with the interview because he had the answers. He had the answers. He had what we wanted to hear. So if he works on coming across better, he's going to be an excellent interview. So it's just don't come across as nervous. Like you said, don't give the, you know, pause, nervous pause. It's like, like I said, it's like, it's almost like when you messaged me that first time and I was in the freaking sound booth at, uh, you know, down at uh, Hawking College, and I was saying, yeah, and I was trying to really get across what I was saying, but I was like, uh, God darn it. It's like, and I was thinking, it's like, okay, I've let five seconds go by. I've got to go, you know, say something. You know, it's like, you know, it was a very learned process. And I just say to all interviewees, learn, get as much experience as you can because if you don't, then you're going to stutter a little bit and some people are going to take that as being timid. You know, we know it's not. That's the way they're going to take it. Chris, you want to take us out? Well, to hear Joey's final thoughts on the Colts and any other free agency news, tune in Saturday on Anchor and talk shoe for our free agent special. 
and the extended version will be on TalkShoe as well.